0: good morning saints of our lord and welcome to thy strong word i'm your host brady finner and pastor of messiah lutheran church in sartell minnesota Today is Wednesday, May the 12th, and actually the 39th day of the Easter season, and we study the gift of the inspired and true Word of God as we know our Lord is risen, and we put on our Christ goggles, who is our light and our life. The light shines on us today as we study 1 Kings chapter 13, a very interesting chapter, something you don't usually have in Sunday school lessons. One you... Probably don't study very often or read in a devotional, but it's still important for us to understand. The kingdom is divided. We hear of King Jeroboam of Israel, a man of God from Judah, a prophet in Bethel, a lion, a donkey, and oh my, I think maybe is the next word we should say. Well, we see the common theme, to incline our hearts back to the Lord. Let's dig in. The gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Thy Strong is graciously underwritten by our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we have with us regular guest Pastor John Shank of Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. Pastor Shank, welcome back to Thy Strong Word.
1: Well, thank you. It's always an honor. It was uh, a nice little break while we were uh, <laughs> uh, going through Lent. Um, yes, and so it's nice to be back, uh, especially when I'm not uh, having all the extra duties of of Lent. Um, so, yes, it, it, this is an interesting, <laughs> challenging. Uh, you know, it confronts us uh, mightily this cha- this uh, this chapter, but uh, but also a chapter that gives us great hope uh, of true repentance and faith and trusting in the Lord as well.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I, w- I was looking at the the, the past. I, last time you were on was in February, if I'm right. Yeah. Um And yeah, it has been a while, but uh, you know, it, it's always a, it's always a joy that we can be flexible. And you guys have you're busy with what you do. I'm busy with what I do. And when we're able to get together, it is is a true joy. So tell me this, Pastor. Uh, there's been some new new fun things going on at Trinity Edwardsville. We talked a little bit about it um, while we text, but tell us what's going on.
1: Yeah, we have um, we have re- uh, received a, a candidate from the seminary, and it's kind of an interesting, kind of unique situation um, because we we called exclusive call for for Joel Bierman. That name might sound familiar. His his father, uh, uh, or sorry, sorry, Jess Bierman. His father, Joel Bierman, oh. <laughs> is uh, a doctor at um, at the the seminary, and so his oh. son uh, is being called to our congregation. He actually completed his four years of uh, seminary work a couple years ago with his Master's of of Divinity, uh, and then uh, decided to forego a call right out of the seminary to do more uh, study uh, in the STM um, program. And uh, he might be completing that or kind of transitioning that in a PhD program Uh, that's yet to be kind of finalized. But uh, so he has received a call from our congregation, accepted that call, and is looking forward to ordination installation in the beginning, middle of of June, June 13th. So, yeah, we're very excited about that. And also we have got a school, so we put out a call for a principal, and that Mm. call has been accepted and uh, received and accepted by... uh, Uh, Mr. Krieger, Ken Krieger, and so he'll be joining with us this summer, too, and so lots of things are happening at Trinity as we're ending our school year in, in one week from today, so one week from today will be the end of this school year.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, this is a reminder for you, our listeners, and for for me and for all of us as we uh, are part of KFUO, that this is our opportunity to pray. pray. I encourage our listeners to pray for Trinity Edwardsville as they go through many of these transitions because um, principals are are a true gift to our, our schools. Uh, another pastor on staff is always a true gift as well. The only issue you'll have is if, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Bierman. Continu comes all the time to listen to your sermons I mean that'll be terrifying for me to have him in the pews what do you think
1: it's it's been great to see him and uh, he does <laughs> he does come uh that's and great. uh it's great it's uh it's something we rejoice in uh, well that's so, a joy yes it is, it is. That's and so. so then his son is also to be doing uh campus ministry here oh, so great. uh there's all those other things so we'll have to uh see if there's ways uh, in the future to, to get him on KFUO. It's, it's some program to to talk about campus ministry and, and the work that's done uh, by campus pastors.
0: Well, thanks be to God for that. So uh, as we look today, as you, as you said so well, the Lord is, is blessing us and the Lord is leading us. And so can we ask for the Lord's blessing for our study today? And can you begin us in prayer?
1: Yes, let us pray. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit— Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would lead us away from any false worship, anything that would lead us away from you, and guide us into the one true worship of your Son, who is Lord of all as your people. look forward to celebration of the great ascension of your Son, our Lord, that he is seated at your right hand and reigns and rules over all things, Help us not to be deceived or led into any kind of temptation away from you, but be guided by your holy word to look forward to that great revelation on the last day, that this faith for which you give and guide and and, and nurture by your Holy Spirit is revealed for all to see as your Son returns and gathers us before your holy altar. In Jesus' name we pray.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. Reminder to our listeners that if you have any questions uh, for today's text, there could be many of them, if you wish. So send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. And like I said, chapter 13, everything is done in context. There's there's uh, something that happens before and after. Yeah. And right now, Pastor, what, what kind of, uh, what's leading us up to this point where you you have chapter thirteen in its own unique little box. I would probably argue, but yet there's a context. So, what's happened sure. before this that helps us out this morning?
1: Sure. So, um, chapters one through eleven primarily are dealing with Solomon of First Kings, as you as you've gone through. But that builds us to this point because Solomon, uh, sadly, is um, kind of found. Um, Intermarrying, uh, found um, kind of leading uh, in a spiritual way uh, away from the Lord in in certain aspects. um, That leads us to kind of uh, to the to the great uh, schism of Hmm. North and South, which you see in chapter 12, uh, where Jeroboam or Rehoboam, sorry, Rehoboam, uh, Solomon's son, and his great folly, which is all about Uh, Greed and lust of power um, leads him to to follow his advisors, um, his own young advisors instead of the old wiser advisors, um, which then brings a character back into the forefront, which is Jeroboam, who had fled from Solomon. That's why I kind of brought us all the way back to um, understanding the context of Solomon, where uh, Solomon had put Jeroboam in, into some uh, places of authority, uh, but uh, Jeroboam was seeking a conspiracy that would put him as a, um, uh, an authority king figure in the north. He had to to run away to flee uh, to Egypt, and now with Rehoboam being put into uh, a power as king, he comes back. Um, the the uh, the the bad folly, the bad advice uh, to to be more um, powerful, uh, put more of a heavy weight on the people even more than Solomon did, uh, leads to a schism between. Uh, south and and north. So you have Judah to the south uh, with Jerusalem, Israel to the north, which is obviously very confusing when you're just reading. <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> before it was all Israel, all under one king. Now we have two kings, and unfortunately to the north, all those kings are quite uh, wicked and lead the people astray where we see it. Uh, in Jeroboam. And Jeroboam establishes two places of worship, Bethel and Dan, and he places uh, golden calves, which is should be like an immediate sign of, let's not do that. Uh, right. But it doesn't. <laughs> um, they do it. They place these golden calves so that the people of the north don't have to go to the temple, the true temple of the Lord. And, and Jeroboam, again, is kind of met with greed and lust for power and control over the people, and so he wouldn't let the people go to, or is enticing the people not to go to uh, Jerusalem, to the true temple and true worship of the Lord, and he gives them other places of false worship, in which um, he has um, kind of devised his own worship. Um, you can see that at the end of chapter 12. At the end mm-hmm. of chapter 12, he sets up his own feasts and his own ceremonies and his own ways of worship, and where whenever we are inventing our own worship, <laughs> this is like yeah. a great sign of, don't do that, run away from that, um, because it's great folly and great destruction, and, and that's what we, that's kind of the context, or that is the context that maybe helps us understand um, the beginning of chapter 13.
0: That is a wonderful review of how we get to this point, and it, it comes back to really what the what the problem is, and the problem is faith. Yeah. <laughs> that um, Pastor Lukomsky said very well uh, a couple of days ago. He talked about not only should have Solomon prayed for wisdom, which God was very pleased with, but also faith to pray, Lord, keep us in the faith. And this is our prayer as well, that we see the problem when we lose faith. And not even that we lose it, that we get misdirected. And we also see the loss of it when you're creating two calves and creating new places. Because you know full well, if they go back to the Lord, they're not going to follow you. Right. <laughs> and that's and that's a problem. So it that's a wonderful rundown as we look at today, because the same problem gets revealed kind of just a little different twist and how we look at today's text. so any yeah, any last thoughts before we dig definitely,
1: in? definitely uh Lord, keep us steadfast in your word and that's <laughs> definitely something it's obviously by the word that we're brought into the faith and by the word that we are kept and uh conformed uh, to the image of Christ in the midst of a, a world that we have crosses to bear and and, and that's definitely something we'll see here. That there is a cross to bear, but instead of bearing that cross in the word, we are following another word, um, and and instead of bearing the suffering of a, a king that's going astray, Jeroboam decides to go his own way. Instead mm-hmm. of being faithful to the word, he devises his own plan. So um, he has ample opportunity to repent and instead he doesn't. So we'll, we kind of get all that, um, but he's being laid out uh, in juxtaposition against another person <laughs> who is brought into repentance where he had his own sin in this chapter, too. So lots to discuss.
0: Oh, tons. Absolutely. So let's dig in. Uh, reminder to our listeners, we are reading from the English Standard Version of First Kings chapter 13. And we hear, I'm just going to read the first verse to begin our time. And behold a man of God came out of Judah by the word of the Lord to Bethel Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make offerings So like you said there's <clears throat> excuse me there is uh, a new person that sh- uh, shows up here and it says man of God what do we know about this man of God I- uh, not much. <laughs> um, <laughs> <That's why> it <laughs> stumped me
1: out the gate uh, because um, we don't. He's unnamed. We know yep. that he is a prophet of the Lord. We know that. Uh, well, there'll be more given, more detail given as we go. That he's been given a word from the Lord uh, from uh, from Judah. So this is southern kingdom to go to the northern kingdom to go to the places of false. Well, at least one of the two places of false worship, uh, to to pronounce God's judgment upon it. But he also has been given directions of what he should and then should not do. Um, but uh, the prophet is left un unnamed.
0: Um, unnamed, right. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's so what that I... The
1: focus is on the Lord.
0: Absolutely. And that's why I love your 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 approach, and I know you do that, Pastor Shank, because the reality is... We don't know much. Uh, we and this is where we let the word of God speak where it speaks, and we don't speak where it does not speak. And here we don't know much about him. We know he's from um, Judah. Uh, and one of the key things that Dr. Meyer says in his commentary is that he uses the words "by the word of the Lord." Okay, that that, that wording is used explicitly in these first ten verses four times and it, it obviously is pointing away from the way jeroboam was going that this man was there by the word of the lord or lord yahweh and so i found that an interesting dynamic that he definitely comes in the name of the lord in the word of the lord and then later on we see some uniqueness to that conviction i guess you would call it (laughs) um as we lead so yes he's a man of god and that's all we know to this point so anything else
1: in the first verse you have i would say it's good for us to note the proximity of jeroboam uh Mm. to the prophet who comes so jeroboam is right (laughs) there so this powerful man uh in a very worldly sense is standing there making offerings On an altar that he has established and that he has devised, this is not something that came from the Lord. This wasn't a good idea. This wasn't a good uh, spiritual practice. Uh, This was a bad thing to do. And he (laughs) is there, and, um, and then the prophet, the true word of the Lord, is coming.
0: And this points me back to a few verses prior to this is verses 32 through 33, where it continually says that he did, that he made, that he devised. Um, And that exactly leads us to right now that he is standing at an altar that he made up of a religious um, uh, um, altar that he made to make. His offerings, as a, and none, none of it has to do with the Lord. So that just a good reminder that, that, that he's standing very close, not to the Holy of Holies, but to uh, something that he, well, basically God made in his image instead of a God who made us in his image. So right. um, this is good stuff. So let's continue on. Verses 2 through 5. And the man cried against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, Oh, altar, altar, says the Lord. Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name, and he shall sacrifice on you the priests of the high places who make offerings on you, and human bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a, gave a sign the same day, saying, This is a sign that the Lord Yahweh has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be torn down, and the ashes that are on it shall be poured out. And when the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar at Bethel. Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Seize him! And his hand, which he stretched out against him, dried up so that he could not draw back to himself. The altar was torn down, and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign that the man of God had, been given, had given by the word of the Lord." I want to stop there because there's quite a bit that happened here. So he comes, he says something, a number of things happened. Give us a rundown of what happened here or highlights.
1: Sure. So um, he's uh, prophesying uh, in a very true way against yeah. the altar and and, and revealing the, the word that the Lord had given him to, to reveal that this is going to, to be done to it. Um, within this prophecy, uh, a person is named, uh, Josiah by name, mm-hmm. and um, he will be a, a, uh, uh, a king who will be actually be faithful, uh, a great faithful king who will um, find the word, or under his reign, the word of the Lord will be found in a time of great uh, disobedience, um, but he will return the people back, uh to listening to the word of the lord and rightful worship and practice um and a, and a call to destroy and uh, bring down uh the high places of, of false uh, of false worship um so he is always uh laid uh, lifted up not to honor him above god but to see what god has what god is doing through a faithful king who then hears and proclaims uh the word which is uh, kind of then laying out uh Josiah uh against um uh against this this king uh Jeroboam who is not listening to God's word and is hmm. and is kind of the opposite of uh faithful king Josiah so we've got him uh laid out and, and called and um in the midst of all this in the midst of all this uh then uh the uh, an attempted uh, rebuke by the king Jeroboam uh, to this uh, true prophet of God, and he's going to try to use his earthly authority and earthly uh, might against God, and it's laughable. Because <laughs> how can we, how can we, uh, how can we fight against the Lord? And yet, uh, throughout the Old and New Testaments, uh, we see this continually, and in, in our day too. Uh, where uh, kings and those who in authority, earthly authority, uh, tried to rage against God. And it is to no avail. It's laughable, uh, if it were not so um, tragic. And so he uh, reaches out his hand against him to say, seize him, and that hand is withered up uh, as a great sign. It kind of reminded me, uh, as an opposite, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. You can have comparison in opposite uh, and so we've got um, Moses being sent to uh, to Pharaoh, and one of his signs that he has given is uh, with his hand, where he sticks it in his cloak and he pulls it out, and it's yeah. leprous, and then he puts it back and pulls it back out, and it's healed. And this was to be a sign that the Lord is with him. Well, his hand, <laughs> Jeroboam's hand, uh, is withered, where it's more of a sign that the Lord is against him. Right. Uh, and against his actions and activities, so he should be repenting, uh, but he uh, tragically does
0: not. It also points me to Matthew twelve, where you have the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath. You know that that he stretches out his hand, and it was restored. And it's kind of right. like you said there too—that this man was in a good relationship. I can say it that way with the Lord, and here, obviously, Jeroboam is not and i don't know about you but if if my hand became withered like that i i would i would hope there'd be some repentance that would stay you know <laughs> faith would stay after that point if it did get restored and that's kind of the unique Aspect of Jeroboam that he definitely had a hard heart, at least long term. As we look at this, long term, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, when
1: I say mm-hmm. that he's unrepentant, I'm jumping all the way to the end, and one could yeah. question what's going to come in the next few verses if it's true repentance or <laughs> right, uh, right. or just um, uh, despair. I mean, hopelessness right. uh, or whatever. But um, yeah, the and it's. It then becomes a sign to to all it does it does have an effect. I mean it it mm-hmm. it is a sign to everyone who is there um that um that this is wrong. Um there is an action that's taken uh following uh the fact that this this man who is trying to oppose God it cannot oppose God. Um so
0: yeah. One of the one of the aspects here that you highlighted very well was of Josiah, and I think that's kind of the hidden one of the hidden gems in the in this chapter is that what it looks like to to us from the outside is that Jeroboam and Rehoboam are lost causes like these guys just have have lost it. Judah seems to have a little more hope, and you look at the rest, and Israel seems to never have any hope but but it talks about Josiah and it's just a small little piece of what we're reading. But it does give us this hope. I think this is a a very hopeful thing that Josiah would come and make sacrifices and that he would be faithful, even though it looks like there is no hope. You know, and and, and I think there's something to that for us today. And I want to hear some of your thoughts as well, is that there's a lot of times where it feels like we cannot tell the truth because it won't make any difference. We need to kind of just say what we can say and kind of waffle on other aspects of it. But here, Josiah gives us hope that when you preach the truth and you keep people from idolatry and preach, preach upon it, that God does work through that. And, and that, that's what I found in this because it's kind of a downer of, of a chapter in that way. But yet that's a sign of hope right there. Any thoughts that you have um, when you hear of Josiah? Yeah, and and kind of
1: culturally as a people that, those who have been placed in authority have been placed by God um, and so there is some some sense of um, if that happens to be us, if God has given us authority and in different vocations we have been that um, that we should be using that uh, for those purposes and not for our own benefit uh, but to serve to trust in the Lord and to, to honor His word however we've been called um, and any time that we're using our positions for our own uh, benefit, uh, that's, not, that's obviously not pleasing to the Lord. And we should repent and turn from that and, and turn back to um, how the Lord gives authority and for what purpose, um, but the purpose of serving uh, those who have been placed
0: under us. Wonderful. So let's continue on. We have about two minutes, and I at least want to start reading 6 through 10. And the king said to the man of God, Entreat now the favor of the Lord your God, and pray for me, that my hand may be restored to me. And the man of God entreated the Lord, Yahweh, and the king's hand was restored to him, and he became as it was before. And the king said to the man of God, Come home with me, and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. And the man of God said to the king, If you give me half your house, I will not go in with you (laughs) and I will not eat bread or drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord Yahweh saying you shall neither eat bread nor drink water nor return by the way that you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way that he had came to Bethel. So this man has authority. What's his authority? Yeah.
1: And, He has um, authority, uh, but he is using it so wickedly, uh, so um, he's using it to turn everyone away from the Lord and to draw um, uh, attention to himself, uh, glory to himself, privilege to himself, and ultimately, to draw the people to to him um and away from the lord and th- this is being called all out um yes he he said, pray for me um but in the end it, it, he wants to gain um Kind of control over this prophet, and the prophet kind of he sees it. You, you can't buy me off. <laughs> right. Even have right. your own kingdom, ha- half of everything, which kind of makes me think of Herod and Herodias and the daughter. <laughs> um, uh, and maybe they should have said, "No, I don't want any of this." Herod, you're evil. But maybe they, they obviously they didn't uh, they didn't do that. Um, but uh, it's interesting the little nuggets of future foreshadowing that come into uh, the word of the Lord. And we should have learned. So, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's. Right now, let's take a break. I want to touch more on that on the other side of our break. We are studying First Kings chapter thirteen with Pastor John Shank, and we'll be right back. <laughs> This Wednesday, May 12th, 2021, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors, the Men's Club of Salem Lutheran Church in Farah, Missouri. The Salem Men's Club made a gift to KFUO Radio in commemoration of their charter into the Lutheran Layman's League on this date in 1942.
1: They are celebrating their 79th anniversary today.
0: Once again, we say thank you to the Salem Men's Club of Farah, Missouri for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsors. In 1924, by the grace of God, KFUO began broadcasting the good news of Christ for you. A long part of this history is bringing you worship services to hear and receive the good gifts of God in His words. This Sunday morning, join us for services from Ascension Lutheran Church in St. Louis at 8.15 and Hope Lutheran Church in St. Anne at 10.45, as well as Bible study from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in De Pere at 9.30. Hear Christ for you in Sunday morning services on KFUO. The word ascension can apply to physical things like climbing stairs, but also to matters of authority. It is because the ascension of Christ is about the authority of grace and love that the Christian church has wanted to sing about it. You'll hear that music on the next Sing for Joy. Join us.
1: Sundays at noon on KFUO.
0: Welcome back. We are studying 1 Kings chapter 13 with Pastor John Schenck. And as we have gone through the first 10 verses, it sets everything up for the next piece of chapter 13. And like you said, there's a lot of foreshadowing of other um uh, the, the rest of the scriptures really as we look at this and he's offering uh great things come and eat with me uh at the at the at the king's house. I mean this this sounds great. I mean if our president invited us over okay and then he says well if you even offer me half of everything I won't come eat with you because the word of the Lord does not allow me to do it. It is quite a fascinating um, proclamation and commitment, conviction, and everything else in between. What are your last thoughts in these first 10 verses, Pastor?
1: Yeah, I, obviously this is, it's going to come up again, this invitation, not, not with the same person, um, but what kind of application, I mean, we would teach our children that, um, there's a phrase, right, bad company corrupts good morals, Mm -hmm. um, and so it's not that we, uh, we reject uh, everyone, and and uh, we're we're going to have uh, only hang out with with Christians. I mean, how can we evangelize? But there there, there's a difference between um, coming alongside somebody to to pass on the the good news of our Lord, and then joining with them in their um, in their rejection of the Lord and saying, well, that's, uh, that's a smart thing to do. So we have to be very careful that we are going to, um, to share the good news instead of uh, being uh, negatively evangelized by the world.
0: And that's exactly right. I, one of the unique things that Dr. Meyer writes in his commentary on this is that when he you know, does this to Jeroboam, and and Jeroboam says, Restore me. He said this is symbolic of really God's people. And it's true for us today too, that that God calls us once again to return to him. And it appears that Jeroboam is doing this. Uh and, and in many ways we have to be careful not to um to question it too far, but then we see other things that Jeroboam does, and you really start to wonder, I'm not sure if that was real. It's the same thing. The same struggle for us is how do we really know if somebody has, quote, really returned to the Lord? All we can do is call people to repentance and and show them the forgiveness that we have in Christ. Um, but it, it it is very symbolic that the restoration of his hand is how our Lord restores us back to himself um, in our Lord Jesus. I thought that was a really wonderful way to talk about how this is not only Just that restoration, but the restoration that we have in Christ. So anything else? It gets even better as we continue. As um, the prophet was given a clear word of the
1: Lord, and that clear word of the Lord was to be followed. So we can't apply what was told to the prophet to every one of us, but we can use the greater um, lesson, that when we have been given a clear word of the Lord from His Scripture, right, we have the Scriptures, we're called to test the spirits, right, by what? Not by my own feeling, not by my gut. I don't care what my gut feeling is. I care about what God's Word says. Uh, so what does God's Word say about something? And that's where we have to then uh, to disconnect from someone when he is or she is drawing us away from a clear word uh, of the Lord, uh, and not have fellowship with something that's opposing God's word um but to to reach out uh, and call the world away from that back to back to the grace and mercy, the healing uh, salvation of our Lord.
0: Well, let's continue on. Now we hear of a prophet. So we have man of God, we got prophets, we got Jeroboam, we got all this. Now we hear of a prophet who shows up in Bethel. So let's read verses 11 through 19. Now an old prophet lived in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told them to their, told to their father the words that he had spoken to the king. And their father said to them, which way did he go? And his sons showed him the way that the man of God who came from Judah had gone. And he said to his sons, saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him and mounted it. And he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with you or go with you, neither will I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord Yahweh, You shall neither eat bread nor drink water there, nor return by the way that you came. And he said to him, I also am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you into your house that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. Okay, I'm going to do the same thing I did with you at the beginning of the man of God. Is who, is this, who is this prophet in Bethel, Pastor?
1: Yeah, uh, we have no idea. We have some assumptions. <laughs> and our assumptions are, are based on a couple of things, right? Um, that this is Bethel which mm-hmm. is um, where this uh, so-called king who had rebelled against the true king had set up uh, a so-called place of worship against the real place of worship. Where was this, if he was a true prophet of the Lord, where, where was he to speak against this false house of worship? Was he a so-called Uh, old prophet or a prophet who had lost his way or a prophet who became pretty quiet. How can you be quiet when you're a prophet? You're supposed to speak. Um, Or is he uh, worse than that, maybe? And a prophet of of Baal Um, Mm -hmm. in the coming chapters, we'll have some confrontation uh, with false prophets of Baal and the true prophet of the Lord, so um, none of these things lead us to anything good. Um, so we don't know his name, don't know his origin, and we don't know if he really is a true prophet because um, a true prophet should be speaking a true word. And by the end of this uh, paragraph exchange, he lying in the name <laughs> of the Lord. Um, right. Is he lying uh, because he himself was deceived? Well, we see that in Scripture, and we see that in um, our worldly experience with false religions of the world. Some of those have been established um, because they say, maybe this is uh, true in the sense of being deceived by false angels, or maybe they just lied, right? Right. Where they uh, have been established by saying, um, an angel of the Lord came to me. Well, uh, the, thankfully the Lord knew um, what would come in the the centuries later uh, because he warned us he warned us uh, not to even believe even if an angel of light would come to us with a word that was against his word um, that we are, are to test all these things by his word even opposed uh, to an angel who would be maybe trying to deceive or mislead us we would say that's not a true angel but a a demon. So, uh, could all of these things happen? Uh, could he be completely making it up? All of that could ha- be true, um, because in the
0: end, it says he lied. And and it, it, it brings up the question, and this is it goes back like you were quoting Galatians one. You know, but even if the gospel, even if the an angel from heaven should preach to you a different gospel, let him be accursed. That right. that okay. So God clearly went to the man of God by the word of the Lord. And he says, don't eat bread with this guy. Don't eat bread with anybody from Bethel. This is not going to end well for you. Um It would God had then sent an angel to give a separate message somewhere else to a quote prophet like you um and and that's and that's the the reality is that we would have to say no <laughs> that no he would not and this is the same thing with the gospel if someone comes and preaches a different gospel from what is clearly in the holy scriptures, then it's not the gospel It's hard to remember that at times, but yeah, it's very very it? true here, yeah. Yeah, and and
1: we face these kinds of temptations today.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe
1: not to the extreme of someone saying, an angel came to me, uh, but you do hear from so-called, I'll say that, so-called Christian teachers or so-called Christian leaders that they'll say, a new word, a new revelation has come to me. The Lord has mm-hmm. spoke to me. And it's in clear contradiction to what the Lord has said before. And it's like, um, yeah, we shouldn't listen to you. It's pretty obvious we shouldn't listen. Unfortunately, many follow that that contradiction of God's Word, because it's what we might want to hear anyways. So maybe, um, again, this is Um, we're just speculating, right? We don't know what his motivation is that he went with him. Maybe it's what he wanted to hear. Uh, It's an easier road to stop, to go get something to eat, to go get something to drink. It's hard to fast. It's hard to do this. Go rest. You've you've done your job, right? Right. But the reality is you had a word from the Lord, and you decided not to listen to it.
0: Amen. Amen to that. It is... uh... Um it, it, it reminds me a little bit of, well, my kids are older now. I mean, they're they're fifth grade up to ninth grade. But when they were little, you know, sometimes they would invite parents to come in and read a book. And you'd ask them a question like, and what did you do this weekend? And one kid would say, oh, I, I played with my dog all weekend. All of a sudden, half the kids all said, oh, I played with my dog too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so this kept going. And that kind of reminds me of this prophet. He's like, Oh, yeah, yeah I'm one of those two. One of those two. And all of a sudden, the word, it just kind of just, it's it just like a slippery slope. Everybody's agreeing. Like, oh, and then the people were like, Oh, wow, well, if he's a prophet too, then it must be right. And the man of God who literally had God give him these words was led astray as well. And he was lied to. And then we're going to find out what this means for him. But he went and ate. But let's be honest, if I'm hungry, I want some bread. If I'm thirsty, I want some drink. And that probably was not real plentiful from the road from Bethel all the way back to Judah. My guess is he would appreciate all of those things. So all of this brings temptation and lies. So yeah. anything else before we move on? Yeah, the temptation,
1: again, trying to trying to draw application and an understanding at the same time to the text is uh, he's given a cross to bear right?
0: you sure. It's given
1: a cross to bear, and it's very tem- tempting um, in the midst of having to bear uh, some suffering to, to find a word that would easily alleviate that suffering, though it's in contradiction to God's Word. <laughs> um, uh-huh. And it's like, <laughs> well, I, I, I really like not having to suffer, but I have to suffer when God has called me to suffer, and I didn't know that, that, again, that you started off by saying, well, these might not be Sunday Sunday school lessons, uh, but they should be mature. We should chew on this word as mature Christians, that there are times where we need to, to suffer. There's times that we need to uh, bear the cross, however you want to say it, right? Endure a hardship um, when the Lord calls it, because we trust in Him that even a hardship is for our good, because it... Because he only gives us what is for our eternal good, even when it means hardship today. Um, If there's an alleviation to that, which is in direct contradiction to his word, we should choose the hardship instead instead of the cutting of the corner, but it cuts us away from the Lord. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Boy, that, those are great words. I, I love how you said that too. This is for mature Christians to chew on. Just because we didn't learn in Sunday school doesn't mean it's not applicable to us today, which is right. so true. So let's continue on as, as the, the plot thickens, if you will. So 20 through 25. And as they sat at the table, the word of Yahweh came to the prophet who had brought him back. And he cried to the man of God who came from Judah. Thus says the Lord Yahweh, because you have disobeyed the word of Yahweh and have not kept the command that, the, that Yahweh your God commanded you, but have come back and have eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which he said to you, eat no bread and drink no water, your body shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. And after he had eaten bread and drunk, he saddled the donkey for the prophet whom he had brought back. And as he went away, a lion met him on the road and killed him. And his body was thrown in the road, and the donkey stood beside it. The lion also stood beside the body. And behold, men passed by and saw the body thrown in the road and the lion standing by the body. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet lived. There's a lot of fun stuff there. Where you want to begin?
1: Um. So hopefully we caught that, that the word of the Lord came to the, to the old. So he, the the Lord spoke to, through the man who, who lied to the real prophet. Um, And, and I I have no idea um, what that caused to the, we only see what the outcome, the Mm. outcome to this old prophet, I believe in the end is true repentance. But in that moment, um uh, maybe well uh, not even maybe he lied saying god told him something right mm-hmm. he lied and now he's getting a real true revelation of the lord this is probably something he's never experienced in his life oh, to gosh. he's count he's claiming to be a prophet but he's lying on god's behalf or you know, what I mean, saying something that God never said, and and this is amazingly offensive for God. And now He is speaking, and He knows the word that He just the word that He just said. It's His His temptation has caused this man's death. His lying is going to bring judgment, earthly judgment, upon this man. Uh, and and the word finally comes back to him. Um, and, and there's many other things about the, the the lion that comes. He doesn't devour the man. That's why I believe it's just earthly judgment. That's my hope that this is just an earth, not just. I mean, it, yeah, it brings about pretty, his death. Um, pretty strong, pretty yeah. big, pretty strong. <laughs> um, but my hope is that this doesn't reflect an eternal judgment of unbelief, because he doesn't mm-hmm. devour him. He's left as a sign that that God, our God, it's it's the whole C.S. Lewis, right, uh, Osman. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that he is a lion. Uh, he is not safe, but he is good. He's he doesn't good, devour yeah. him, uh, but he does enact something for all of our good, that none of us, that this word is for our good, that we would not turn from God's word, but remain in it um, and, and remain faithful to it in the face of great temptation.
0: And it's really you're, you're exactly right. The lion part of this is quite fascinating, and you don't really know what to do with it. Like you said, the C.S. Lewis quote is one that is uh, you know Aslan, and and looking at that dynamic, which is so true that yeah, uh, he is good, um, but he is not, <laughs> he's not. He's not dangerous. Definitely, right. as we look at this, and you know that it's from from the Lord because. A regular lion would kill you and eat you. This is not, it's not an option for a lion not to eat you. It would have eaten you. And then the donkey, the donkey he didn't eat the donkey either. And you the, know, do- so the there.
1: donkey didn't even run off. <laughs> I know. The exactly. donkey stood around Just right next crazy. to the lion.
0: Just crazy. And, and the weird thing for me, and this is something that Dr. Meyer speaks about too, that he says, oh, "Why? What are you doing?" Basically, he, he, he speaks to the prophet and says, "Say this," and this is this is not good. And it appears that he continued to eat the food and drink the water. <laughs> <laughs> that it says, and after he had eaten bread and drunk, he saddled his donkey for the prophet and he, as he had brought back. So there he was getting this word from the Lord, from the prophet. And I mean, we don't really know for sure, but did he keep eating until his stomach was full? Or did he stop and like, oh, geez, I better get going here. This is not good. Um, it doesn't tell us anything there. But obviously he had his water. He had his his bread and it did not end well. So any, any thoughts on any of that?
1: I almost think
0: um,
1: that he finished, It's like, his last meal, and that that maybe reflects, uh-huh. like, this one act of, contr- you know, he's not going to go plead. He didn't go, he didn't, there's no story of him pleading to the Lord to, ch- to change his word. But he's submitting himself to the word, uh-huh. um, and, and even when it means that the Lord is going to take my life, yet shall I live. I will live. Oh, that's good. This that's God good. is merciful, and we see it even in His death. He is merciful. He, he didn't devour. There's no spectacle. There, I mean, there's there's a sign, yeah. but there's no um, there's no sign that God is um, has devoured Him in eternal judgment. Um, that God even here is giving Him dignity to be buried uh, and to look forward to the resurrection.
0: Now, I want to ask this. We have about uh, seven minutes left your Pastor, but I do want to ask this question because I think there's a a good pastoral question that people will ask us, is that it seems to me that to to go and eat bread and drink water is not, I mean, it's not like you're committing (laughs) adultery. It's not like you're murdering. It's not like you're stealing millions of dollars. Um, That just doesn't seem fair. How would you answer that question in this uh, true story?
1: That you never want... Whenever we say, I want God to be fair to us, right there, um, you're asking for law, not gospel, right? right? God, be fair to me. You're not being fair. That's not what you should be asking for. And usually we stop people there and say, you don't really want that, do you? Let's talk about what that is. For God to be fair to you is for you to be perfect. Are you perfect? We're not perfect. For you to say, God, be fair to me, means for him to judge you. Do you want him to judge you? Because the judgment of God looks like Christ on the cross. You don't want that. Mm-hmm. You want God to be merciful to you. And in the end, we, we rely on the mercy of the Lord. We re- trust that in the end, He will be with us in the resurrection. But we're placing Him into the mercy and forgiveness of God.
0: That is wonderful. Judgment of God looks like Jesus on the cross. Something that we look through all the time. As we talked about um, putting on our Christ goggles, Is makes us realize how it all fits together. So let's finish this out. Verses 26 through 34. And when the prophet who had brought him back from the way heard of it, he said, It is the man of God who disobeyed the word of Yahweh. Therefore, Yahweh has given him to the lion. Which has torn him and killed him according to the word that Yahweh spoke to him. And he said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. And they saddled it. And he went and found his body thrown in the road, and the donkey and the lion standing beside the body. The lion had not eaten the body, nor torn the donkey. And the prophet took up the body of the man of God, and laid it on the donkey, and brought it back to the city to mourn and to bury him. And he laid the body in his own grave. And they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. And after you buried him, he said to his sons, When I die, bury me in the grave in which the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the saying that he called out by the word of Yahweh against the altar in Bethel and against all the houses of the high places that are in the cities of Samaria shall surely come to pass. And this thing Jeroboam did, and this thing Jeroboam did not turn from his evil way but made priests for the high places again from among all the people. Any who would, he ordained to be priests of the high places. And this thing became sin to the house of Jeroboam, so as to cut it off and destroy it from the face of the earth. Well, there's a <laughs> there's kind of a unique factors that happen here because the prophet goes and gets the body and buries him. But yeah. what does this all mean as we look at this?
1: I that's why I keep thinking that this means that he that both both the both prophets have been brought to repentance mm, okay. that the the prophet of uh, the the old prophet who probably wasn't a true prophet by his action and lying uh was brought to repentance and, and seen that his sin his uh, deception um brought this man, the true prophet, into temptation and so he is aligning himself with the true prophet, and that true prophet, I believe, was brought to repentance by the word that the Lord spoke by the false prophet, so that he he submitted himself to the will of the Lord. And He looked forward to the resurrection. They both did, and they both are. That's why we bury. That's why we respect the remains of our our departed, because this body will be raised, and he he places himself next to him because he is confessing this man was a true prophet, and I want to be where he is. I want to be where he is. And that's what he's looking for to the resurrection. That's how I see it, right? Um, And and, and so he's, by the end here, he's saying all this will come to pass as he prophesied, the one who is the true prophet, as opposed to his lying mouth, who is only a stumbling block and a temptation for the, the children
0: of God. That's a good point. You know, and one of the things, and here's, here's what I wish, you know, I do this a lot of times with, with God's word, is I wish it was more clear. Like if he were to say um, all these things and then say, and the Lord Yahweh is my Lord or something like that. You know, I would love if, if God would have given us that, but he didn't give it to us. And so what you're saying it makes a whole lot of sense as we look at it, that I want to be buried with this guy. Um, and, and, and this is my lying mouth and, and all this, but that's how we live in the real world, right? I mean, we don't always get a clear confession of faith and that's why we lay it at the feet of our Lord, um, to give us, to lay it at his hands and say, Lord, uh, this is yours, not mine. But we yeah, do but it here
1: in, a, in, an, right. in an artistic way, you know, the, the Word of the Lord, this is a historical writing, it's not poetry, but it, there is a poetry that's being drawn out with Jeroboam, and God is right. doing it. So God is laying out, this man repented. He sinned and repented. Jeroboam uh, sinned. He was judged. And look, he did not repent, and he will be cut off. So absolutely. sometimes the absence... Okay, is also yeah. teaching us something. The absence of a word that says, "In this, this uh, the old prophet from Bethel, he was removed and destroyed from all the faces. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that.
0: It says that about
1: Jeroboam, though.
0: It sure does. And,
1: and it says that uh, his, his actions of, of continuing in unrepentance has an internal effect on him.
0: Cut off and destroyed is the words that he uses. Uh, about we have about thirty, about forty five seconds, Pastor. How would you sum up uh, this chapter and what it means for us today?
1: Yeah, I believe it means that God has spoken. He has spoken to you by His Son, who is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the true way and the only way to salvation. Let us lean not on our own understanding and our own thoughts and plans, our own devices of our own hearts. Let us repent of what our hearts say and cling to what our Lord has said, for he is salvation for you. He is forgiveness for you. And in him, there is resurrection and life. So let us bear the cross. Let's hear what our Lord says and say, take up our cross, take up your cross and follow him. In the midst of your crosses that you bear today, you do it trusting in the Lord.
0: Pastor John Shank of Trinity Lutheran Church and School in Edwardsville, Illinois, helping us in God's strong word in 1 Kings chapter 13. Pastor Shank, thank you again for being our guest. It's always an honor. Thank you. Saints of our Lord, who is telling the truth and living the truth? The man of God? The prophet in Bethel? The king? In all of history, there has been only one man of God, one king, and one prophet who has never lied and kept all of God's rules. Our prophet, priest, and king, our Lord Jesus. He was obedient to death, buried in another man's tomb, yet he was the only one to raise from the dead, showing us our future resurrection. He sounds like the kind of guy we want to listen to and follow. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.